Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. All right. Well, welcome everybody here tonight. I want to just thank you for being here and everybody listening on our podcast channel. Um, it's uh, great to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? So I just want to thank you for being here. Um, last week, uh, Pastor Ryan taught about leadership, and he said, just to give you a recap, it says, to truly be called by God, we need to be humble, stretched, and sent out according to his plan. And we'll see this process play out in Moses' life. So I want to ask you guys a question first. Has, have you ever asked someone a question, a very simple question, and received an answer that you weren't expecting? Anybody? All the time. It happens. So I want to ask you another question. Do you desire to be obedient to Christ? Yes. Amen to that. Well, Moses went to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he was letting him know he was going back to Egypt. And he went back. Moses and Aaron were very successful in establishing their credibility with the leaders of Israel and Goshen. You know, they've been gone for a while. And Pastor Ryan said it last week, and I don't know if I'll get it right, but you know, Moses spent years being somebody, right? He was in the pharaohs, he was with the prince's daughter, and then he spent years being a nobody. And finally, after years of being somebody, years of being a nobody, he could finally be somebody that God could use for his glory. Amen? Moses was finally going to be somebody that God could use for his glory. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 5 tonight. I'll give you a minute to get there. And now we're going to see a shift where, where Moses was with the Israelite leaders, and now he's going to shift to the Pharaoh's courts. And we'll see him in verse 5. He's going to talk to Pharaoh. So chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. This is a very simple request, isn't it? Very simple. Right? Ah, simple. They're making a request in the name of the God of Israel. And this is the first time that we're going to see that used in Scripture. This identifying name of who God is. But this request was very threatening and even considered blasphemous. And it certainly did not win favor with Pharaoh at all. And we'll see that they got his attention. They definitely got his attention. So let's look at his response. And it says this in verse 2. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Now, Pharaoh's answer was very different. I don't think they expected it. But he said, who's the Lord? 
and why should I obey him? Pharaoh's attitude is really clear at this point. He is very clear on what's going on. He's not a bit concerned about who this God of the Hebrews is at all. But the question is why? And for us, when we ask why, I look at why because I want to be able to apply something. A lot of times people say, why are you asking why? Because I want to learn to apply what that is. We want to know why so we can apply. And God's word, we want to know why God's word, what it says, so we can apply it in our lives. We want to be able to apply God's word in our lives. And Pharaoh was going to have nothing to do with that. That is not where he was going with this. I don't know your Lord. I don't respect him. And I definitely don't fear him. People who don't know God may not listen to his message. Because they have no relationship with God. If you're taking notes, true freedom comes when we have a relationship with God. True freedom comes when we have a relationship with God. Now, Pharaoh didn't have a relationship with God. And we're going to see that. Pharaoh wanted no relationship. And the reason he was saying this about the Lord is because he had no intention of obeying this is reasonable because the Egyptian people considered Pharaoh a god. A god with a small g. He's a small g god, right? Pharaoh claimed to have deity. And what that deity meant was he was a supreme being. He was supreme. He was considered like the children of the sun. He was not going to acknowledge anyone or anything that had a greater power than him. Sometimes we have that issue in our lives too, don't we? We do. And there'll be no submission to this strange God. The people didn't know this God as well. Have you ever had that happen to you at work? Have you ever been at work or somewhere and somebody just all of a sudden comes up and they tell you to do something and you're like, who are you? I mean, who are you to tell me what to do, right? Well, that's, I think, exactly where Pharaoh's at right now. Who are you? Who is this God telling me this? Because I think Pharaoh figures, this Hebrew God, he can't be too powerful, or else why are his people slaves? Right? Why are they slaves? This guy's not real high on the rankings. It's almost like football, and I mentioned the Bengals, but it's like a football team, right? You look at a football team, you go, they, they're not that good. I mean, how many wins do they have? Do we need to worry about them? Right? Well, let me tell you something. Pharaoh needs to worry about God. Pharaoh needs to worry about God. And we'll see that. And he's about to find out. And Paul explains it like this in Romans 1, verse 18. He says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's divine nature is all around us, isn't it? You know, there's two types of revelations. Because it says that God will reveal that. It's being revealed to us. This revelation. And that first revelation I want to talk about is called a general or kind of indirect revelation. Because that revelation is for everybody. That's for each and every one of us. And that's kind of like the sunset. The beautiful sunset. The ocean. God's creation. When we see a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Everybody sees that, don't we? We all have that. God has revealed who he is to us through creation, and it's been clearly seen by all of us. But then the next revelation is a special revelation or a direct revelation because this is directly revealed to a person or individual or a group. And Pharaoh's about to get a direct revelation, is he not? He's about to get that. And God will reveal his work and who he is through the wonders of nature to ultimately force Pharaoh to let his people go. When something has been revealed to us and it's the truth, we have a choice to believe it or not to believe it. And Pharaoh was not about to believe any of this. He was not about to believe any revelation that was linked to his obedience to someone else. This experience with Pharaoh, it, it made me think of a song. And I'm going to reveal how old I am. I'm a child of the 70s. I grew up in the 70s. Do I have any Bob Seger fans out here? Yeah, Bob Seger fans. But it reminds me of the song Against the Wind. You guys remember that song, Against the Wind? Well, that song was about relationships and weathering a storm to get real victory. Getting real victory in the storms of life. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to have a relationship with God to weather all the storms in life. That's the only way we can have real victory over the storms in our lives. You know, sailors go with the wind. The wind in their sails, don't they? That's what they do. They're moving along with it. And the Holy Spirit is often compared to the wind. The wind is a reference to that of the outside of you where the Spirit dwells within you. The Spirit dwells within us and guides us and leads us where we should go. In John 3, 8, it says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And that is a general or an indirect revelation because the Holy Spirit, the wind, is available to each and every one of us when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. But Pharaoh in his pride, 
wasn't about to listen to Moses at all. And some people are determined to go against the wind, aren't they not? We go against the wind. They go in the opposite direction of what they know is truth. And we have to make that decision. If we know it's truth, we can believe it and follow it, or we have a choice not to. As Christ followers, we don't go against the wind. We go with the wind, allowing the Holy Spirit to direct our lives, living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to see Moses and Aaron, they're not through. They're not done. And in verse 3 it says, Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. They were very persistent, weren't they? They were persistent. This simple request now is wanting a three-day journey. And this journey would probably take six days, three days there, three days back, and one day to sacrifice. What's important about this sacrifice is really it was worship. They wanted to worship their God. But they were going to be away from work for about a week. It's like a vacation, right? They were going to be away for about a week. And they said, Moses said nothing about how long they would be gone or when they were going to return. And I believe that omission made Pharaoh a little bit uh, skeptical about what was going on, right? He didn't say anything. So he's thinking, maybe this is a ploy for them to escape. I don't know. But he's not going to. But then Moses said they might also be in danger of killing, being killed if they failed to obey God. So why do you think he brings that up? Why do you think he's bringing that up to Pharaoh? There's a possibility that they'd be killed if they didn't obey. Anybody know? Is everybody with me? You with me? Loses workforce. That's good. Because he might lose his workforce. Did you read my notes? Nice. But the real reason is this. It was his pride. If you're taking notes, don't let your pride get in the way of your obedience or your service to God. Pharaoh was proud, wasn't he? He was prideful and he was not going to allow that to happen. He was not going to give them a week off. He was not going to do that. But he would have been better to give them a week off to protect his cheap labor. And it's a big factor here is our God is more powerful than Pharaoh. He's bigger, he's greater, and he's better than you. He didn't know that song, but we know it, don't we? That's right. That's who our God is. Our God is bigger. He is better. And we know that. And God could have at any time killed the Egyptians as well as the Jewish people. Don't dismiss the fact that they're trying to tell him to take this seriously. It's a matter of life and death. And for us, we need to take it seriously because having a relationship with God is about life and death. To be born twice is to die once. 
to be born again, we die once. We will die that physical death, but we will not die that spiritual death and be separated from God. If you're taking notes, when others reject you or your faith, don't be surprised or discouraged. Trust God to open minds and soften hearts. God's the only one that can do that. We can't do that. You can take this right here. You can take a copy of God's word and you can thump it all over somebody's head if you want, but that's not going to change and that's not going to soften their hearts at all. God's the only one. The Holy Spirit is the only one that convicts someone and they change. We can't do it. In verse 4, it says, But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are numerous, and you are stopping them from working. What was his concern? It was only about the work. He could care less about the people at all, or them going to worship their God. So they took this message directly to him. And Pharaoh said, why should the work stop? Our economy is driven by this slave labor. That's how we get along. And dictators have done this for centuries. They've exploited people and have no concern about their welfare or their freedom. But our God does, doesn't he? He cares about us. He cares about every one of us. And then in verse 6, it says, The same day Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. Now, straw was very essential for making bricks. And apparently... There was no more straw because I believe that Moses uh, was the last straw, right? <laughs> Moses was the last straw here because he was not going to have that. So Pharaoh issued this order that would surely undermine who Moses was in his leadership position. And the unhappy result was harder work and more oppression for the people. In verse 8 it says this, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. Whoa, hold on. You hear that? They're working hard, but now they're lazy. They're lazy people. That is why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. The work was harder. The quota stayed the same, and he's calling them lazy. I have a question for you. Do you know how many bricks they actually made? Anybody have any idea? Anybody? Well, this is a little bit of homework now. You can go check that out and see. But historical records indicate this. They made enough to build a wall that was 10 feet high and 5 feet thick that would stretch from the west coast all the way to New York. That's a lot of bricks, right? That's a lot of suffering. Doesn't sound like they're too lazy of people to me. They're doing the work. 
but they're still suffering. They're actually going through more. So a question for you tonight, are you following God but still feel like you're suffering? Do we follow God? Do we obey His Word and still feel like we're suffering? I know sometimes I do. I feel like I'm going through that. Or do you ever feel like you're suffering more than you should and you have doubts about what's going on? About what God is doing? Where is God at? I'm sure the Hebrew people were thinking that. They had doubts. In John 16, it says this. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And that's Jesus. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have suffering. We're going to have pain. Just because we have received Jesus Christ into our life does not mean we're not going to have these things happen because we all. And we all have them and we will all have doubts at times about where God is. Don't assume that you have fallen out of God's favor. We will all have trouble and suffering. And you may suffer for doing good in an evil world. Remember, this world wasn't made to be like this. It's an evil world. If you're taking notes, sometimes hardships come because of obeying God. But God will give us peace. Continue to follow. Continue to obey. And God will give you peace during this time, during these hardships and suffering. In verse 9, it says, Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh said, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own wherever you can find it. But your work will not reduce at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble and straw. You know, the mixing of the straw made those bricks stronger. And suffering in our lives make us stronger too. Sometimes when we suffer, it's making us stronger. We're growing. But he said, go find your own. And we find it in Jesus Christ. That's where our strength comes from. He increased, not increased, but kept their workload the same. And Pharaoh's request for them to go and sacrifice or worship, I believe what he was saying is, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time to do that. There's work to be done. And this mentality still exists today. It's a waste of time. We don't have time to do devos, right? We don't have time to worship. Or possibly we don't have time to go to church. And I want to thank you all for being here tonight, coming to church. It's not a waste of time. It reminds me of the story of Martha and Mary. You know the story of Martha and Mary, right? Martha was so busy, so busy working, and she's saying, Jesus, look, look at what Mary's doing. I'm over here working. I'm being busy. And what did Jesus say? Mary found the better spot at the feet of Jesus. The balance in our life 
of working for Jesus and spending time with him. Spending time in worship with him. Don't let our busyness ever take us away from our worship. If you're taking notes, the biggest waste of time is missing the opportunity to worship. It's missing the opportunity to worship God, to sit at his feet. You know, I, uh, do you guys, I was, this kind of popped in my head a little bit when I was doing this teaching. You guys have moles in your yards? Anybody? Man, I'll tell you, those things are crazy, aren't they? I do not like these moles. They're digging all these tunnels and all this stuff, but I've heard people all kinds of ways they get rid of them, but um, it reminds me of the movie Caddyshack. How many of you guys have seen Caddyshack, right? Right? The gopher is not a mole, but it's kind of the same thing. You know, he's like, yeah, he's a little gopher. But what that is, you know, these gophers and these moles, they're digging tunnels. And every time that he, Bill Murray's up there and he's trying to do, he's either flooding them out or smoking them out or whatever he's doing, that gopher's just running through these tunnels. And what he's doing is he's finding safe spots wherever he's going. Those tunnels provide that for him. Sometimes moles and gophers, they can dig up to 300 feet a night. But they're trying to get to safety through these networks of tunnels. And I believe that's what our worship time is for us. It's those tunnels. You know, people say, your devos, getting up early in the morning, spending time with God, that's a waste of time. That's a waste. You could be sleeping. But that's our worship to God. That's our worship to Him. Because people fail to see the aspect of what worship really is. Spending time with our God, those are our tunnels to safety. We can use those and we can maneuver and we can get to safety from the world. And God in those tunnels will protect us from the oppression and the attacks of the enemy. We find strength and courage in God. In Psalm 23, I think everybody's familiar with this, right? But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths or the right tunnels so that we can be safe, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. God is always with us. Worshiping God during hardships for who he is and his perfect plan in our life. God gives us comfort in the darkest times of our life. When that darkness is there, he's the light. He will give you comfort and he will give you peace. In verse 7, 13 it says, The slave drivers kept pressing him saying, Complete the work required of you each day, just as when you had the straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelites, overseers. They had appointed them, demanding, why haven't you met your quota of bricks 
yesterday or today as before. These foremen were caught in the middle. They tried to get the people to produce, but they just couldn't do it. And now they're going to complain to Pharaoh. They're actually going to start complaining. In verse 15, it says, Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw. They're told to make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy people. You guys are lazy. This is why you keep saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, but you must produce the full quota of bricks. Then the Israelite overseers there were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks, but you are to increase. When the, they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting for them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. It looks like Pharaoh's scheme is working, doesn't it? Sometimes the enemy does get a win. And it looks like he's winning. It looks like Pharaoh's winning. The enemy is now lashing out and they're turning on Moses. Have you ever felt like you were in the middle? Have you ever been caught in the middle of something like this? Just like Pharaoh? Perhaps you've caught yourself in the middle of a relationship or with a family member. And you're complaining and you're turning to someone else. And this doesn't solve your problem. Just like the overseers, God had a larger purpose in mind. Just like he might in your situation and mine. So rather than turn to people or turn on people, when you're feeling pressed on all sides, turn to God and see what else he might be doing in this situation because God is always working he's always there sometimes we just don't know it and in verse 22 it says Moses returned to the Lord and said why Lord have you brought trouble on this people and this why you sent me ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name he has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all Moses is now shattered, and he's bitter, and he's frustrated. And Moses is protesting to God. He's complaining. How many of us complain to God? Do you complain to God? I do. And I just want to make a real quick clarification on that, because complaining is okay. God already knows. God knows what's going on. So it's okay to complain to him because we're telling him our feelings, what's going on. What's not okay is to criticize. It's not okay to criticize. And that goes within our relationships as well. We can complain, but we don't criticize. And we can complain to God, but we don't criticize God because God's plan 
is better than ours. And he knows it, and we should know it as well. So often we try to fix these situations or whatever set of circumstances we're in. And we may experience more pain, and we may see it get worse before it gets better. Sometimes in counseling, when I counsel people, I let them know right up front that sometimes these feelings that are going on in your life, this stress and this anxiety that you have is actually going to get worse. Have you ever experienced that? Things are going to get worse before they get better. And that's what's happening right now with the Hebrew people. And it could be happening in our lives. It's just like with a fever. It needs to run its course before the sickness is burned away. Sometimes human conflict can reach a fevered pitch before the healing and the relief can be experienced. Sometimes it's going to be worse before it gets better. And we need to know that because it's just like boiling water. The water has to boil. It has to come to that fevered pitch before all the impurities are destroyed. No matter what your situation or circumstances or how hot that it gets in that furnace, remember this, trust God and His timing. Our God is always in the fire with us. We are never alone, and there is usually a disturbance before the calm. There's usually a disturbance before the calm. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You guys know that you're in that story, right? Does everybody know that? Because Meshach, right? Meshach, say that. Meshach, Meshach. I'm Shaq. We're in that story. We're in that furnace at times. But remember, God is always with us. He's there with us. When we trust God and we support his timing, we can stand firm even if we don't know what the situation is and what's going on. Now, God's message to Moses at this crisis time carries a powerful word for us today. Godly principles From them to today, stay the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His word is the same, and we can count on that. We live by the promises of God. God is for us. And this reassurance in chapter 6, as we get there, he's going to give that to Moses. And it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. Amen? I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty or El Shaddai, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. And God makes himself fully known to us, does he not? In Moses' despair over this failure and his confrontation with God, God reassures him of who he is. And that's what we need to do too. Whenever things aren't going right, we go to God and he will assure us that he is 
the God of, of peace, Jehovah Shalom. He is the God Almighty, El Shaddai. But he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the burning bush. God's promises are certain, and he will deliver them from slavery and give them the promised land. When we're confronted with what seems to be insurmountable odds or difficulties, it doesn't not matter so much about who we are, but it matters who God is. Does it not? It matters who God is in our lives. If he's our Lord and our Savior, he is there with us. And he is our God. He is the creator of the heavens and earth. He is the great I am. And he's telling us, I am enough for you. God will give Moses this reassurance that he needed so that he, God makes it very clear to him, I will put the words in your mouth. Have you guys ever had an opportunity to witness and you didn't know what to say? And then all of a sudden the words just came. The Holy Spirit came and gave you those words so you could do that. God was going to do that for Moses. God is so faithful. He is so faithful to us. He's been faithful from the beginning of time and he'll be faithful till the end. And now as we continue on in verse 4, it says this, I will establish my covenant with them and give them the land of Canaan where they reside as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites. God hears us when we call to him. God is there for us. I have heard their groaning who the Egyptians are enslaving and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you with my outstretched arms with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. What a promise is that, right? God's going to take us all as his own people. We are his people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land sworn to uplift the hand to give Abraham to Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you as your possessions. I am the Lord. Amen. That reassurance from God he says, I have, I have remembered, I am going to free you. I will bring you out. I am the God Almighty, Yahweh, the Lord. I will bring you redemption. And when he says, I will bring you out, what that means, that redemption means not only a release from slavery, suffering, our sins, and our tears, but it's also a deliverance to freedom and joy for each and every one of us. And then Moses said in verse 30, Moses said, but Lord, I speak with faltering lips. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? And then God warns Moses that the Pharaoh's heart will harden. 
And we'll see what happens after that as we get in to chapter 7. But things get worse before they get better. But remember this, God is always with us in that fire. One of the points that I made, and I'm going to ask Rachel to come on up. One of the points that I made in the teaching was this. The biggest waste of time is missing the opportunity to worship. It's not a waste of time. When we come before the throne of grace and we're worshiping our God for who he is and knowing whatever situation that we're in, he is always with us. And he is the one that is worthy to be praised. And he is the one that we worship for who he is. I am the Lord, your God. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.